Well, welcome to Emmanuel. Are you excited to be here today? Man, I hope you are. I'm excited to be here today because we are wrapping up our series today called Unhurry. It's been a four-week series. Has it been a blessing to you so far? Has it helped you? Awesome, awesome. I want to take a quick moment and welcome all of our campuses right now, our Beta campus, our Franklin campus, our brand new Garfield Park campus, and all of our microsites, our Theodore House microsite, and also our Johnson County Jail work release microsite. Can we welcome all of our sites right now? Thanks for joining in. Great to be with you today. So as we close out the series today, I also want to recognize that there may be a few people watching for the first time in our online campus or watching for the first time at one of our campuses or sites. And I want to just give you a quick kind of review of what we've been talking about. We've been discussing this idea that hurry or living a hurried life is not a good thing. Like you very rarely see a happy person who's also in a hurry. Yes? Yes or no? And a hurried person is usually frustrated, impatient. A lot of times they're rude, right? They're, they're, just, they're just, you know, they don't see people. They're unloving. And, and they're very, they're essentially not very happy people. And there's lots of reasons for this. You know, sometimes people are just addicted to productivity or they're disorganized or they haven't planned, planned out their day or they, they're just time is money to them. So they're always on the go because they want to make more money. Whatever the reason is, hurry is not a good thing. We've been looking at a quote from Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors in this series, and just really this series has been an unpacking of this one quote, that hurry is really the great enemy to the spiritual life. It makes being a disciple or living in, in, in the path of Jesus or in the way of Jesus nearly impossible. Because when we're in a hurry, week one, we talked about how it makes us, you know, it causes us to make bad choices and, and bad decisions. Haste makes mistakes. We looked at that in, in the book of Proverbs chapter 19. And then week number two, we talked about how when we're in a hurry, it makes love impossible because people are reduced to what? Objects. They're, they're, they're obstacles. They're just in our way, right? And so we're very unloving when we're in a hurry. And then last week, Pastor Aaron Beasley did a great job here at the Greenwood campus and the Banda campus, and, and Pastor Jake spoke at the Franklin campus, and they both talked about how it's almost impossible to become like Jesus when we are in a hurry, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Didn't they do a great job last week? Can we give it up those, for those guys? Thank you so much. And so today what I want to do is talk about this fourth reason why hurry is a great enemy to the spiritual life. A couple of months back... Uh, my son, my oldest son was in his basketball season and it was in the winter time and he had a game on Saturday night and I preach on Saturday night live here at the Greenwood campus and so um, his game started at 730 and his game was somewhere in uh, downtown Indianapolis, kind of like halfway up the, the 465 circle. And so I thought, man, if I could get done preaching like right at 6, at 7 o'clock, because I start preaching at 6.30, get done at 7, wrap it up, run off stage, get in my car, 65, 465, I can get there in 30 minutes. And that's what the GPS app said, 30-minute drive. Game tip-offs at 7.30, I get done preaching at 7, I can make it, right? You with me? Yes? Great plan. So I get done preaching. I run off stage. I get in my car. I'm on 65. I wasn't necessarily speeding. I know there's some officers in the room here today. Um, but I wasn't going the speed limit either. It was like that in that weird buffer zone, 5 to 7, maybe 10 miles an hour over the limit. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> And so I'm cruising, I hit 465, I'm going up the right side, I hit my exit, I get off, and I'm kind of turned around. I'm like, I've never been here before. Never been to this high school before. 
And I'm just following the, my wife gave me the address to the high school and I'm following the blue dot. Anybody else follow the blue dot? I'm just going where it says to go. And I'm turned around, I get turned around. Before I know it, it's dark outside, it's cold. I think it was snowing because that makes the story a little bit more dramatic. <laughs> Hard to see, snowflakes are coming, freezing cold outside. Um, and, and I miss my turn. I missed my turn. So, of course, this is not my fault. I mean, let's be honest, right? Whose fault is it? It's my wife's fault, of course. So I call her on the phone. She's already at the game, nice, warm, cozy, has her seat. And I call her on the phone and I say, Where, where's the turn? I thought it was this exit. I thought it was this and that. I don't even remember the details. And she starts to say, no, no, I gave you the right directions. Of course, we got in an argument and it was her fault. So we hang up, we hang up, and, and I finally find my way to the school, and I've never seen this school before. I park outside, I get outside, it's freezing, snow's coming down, and, and, I, and I start to walk around, and, and I cannot find the, uh, the entrance to the gym. I'm freezing. I know at this time, because I missed my turn, I was late. I was going to miss tip-off. I was frustrated about that. And so I'm looking, I'm looking, I can't find the gym, so I call her again. Where's the gym? She says, oh, you got to go on this street, and there's a little alley, and then you'll see the sign. And I'm like, don't see any of it. Nothing she's saying do I see. So I'm getting aggravated with her and getting, so I finally say, come out and find me. <laughs> I'm out in the cold, wandering the streets of Indianapolis. I don't know where I am. And so she, like a great wife, you know, takes responsibility and comes outside. Well, just as she is exiting the building, I actually find the entrance to the gym. And so I go in and I get my ticket and she prepaid for me and, and, and I go and I sit down and now the game has started. I'm thinking, okay, it's still the first quarter. I haven't missed too much, but where's my wife? <laughs> well, she was outside trying to flag me down. And, and, and so, you know, I'm the cold. And, and so I text her and I say, hey, I, find, I got inside. And so she walks back in the gym and sits down next to me and we just don't even talk. <laughs> we don't even look at each other. It was a horrible evening. We lost the game. <laughs> what happened that night to me was very simple. That being in a hurry stole my peace. It just robbed it. I just got done preaching my sermon. I was on a high. I was all spiritual. <laughs> and then I was in the car white knuckling the steering wheel saying, whose fault is this? I almost got into an accident. And I didn't just steal away my own peace, I stole away my wife's peace, because now she had to deal with a jerk. That's right, right here, it was my fault. I stole, out, I stole away the peace in our relationship. See, you, your, your lack of peace doesn't just affect you, it affects the people closest to you. In your notes, the fourth reason why hurry is a great enemy to the spiritual life is because it robs you of your peace. Peace is a hard idea to get your brain wrapped around. It's like misty, vague, it's hard to, you know, it's not concrete. What is peace? Let me give you a concrete definition of peace so we can build on something solid here. Peace is simply restfulness of soul. It's an emotion, it's a condition, it's a feeling that everything is going to be okay, regardless of the circumstances. Peace. It's a powerful emotion. It's a powerful condition. I want you to listen to these words that I try to get through my head at least once a day in a meditative sort of way. And the reason I do that is because they bring tremendous peace to me regardless of the circumstances and going on in my life. I want to see if it has the same effect for you. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Translation, 
God is my protector, my provider, and my leader. Therefore, I'm all good. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Think of a sheep that has eaten its full. It's not hungry anymore. And now it's time for a little siesta, a little nap. So that sheep lies down in the grass with no fear, knowing that his shepherd is watching over him and providing for him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I'm not thirsty anymore. I've drank. I'm full. And I'm just going to take a walk. I have everything that I need. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Forgot, forgot something. Hold on. He restores my soul. He puts it all back together. He puts all the pieces back together in my life that have been broken and separated and pulled apart. My mind, my will, my emotions, my decisions. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness, right paths. He shows me the right ways to go for his namesake so that my life could bring glory to him. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, our lives, even though we're followers of Christ, many of us, will not be void of pain. There will be difficulty, loss, disease, death, for all of us. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I try to go through that once a day in my mind. Just to do what? Just to, just to create restfulness of soul. A sense of calm. That everything's going to be okay. Don't do it every day, but I try to. But I tell you what, when I'm in a hurry, <laughs> when I'm on the go, when it's boom, 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 that piece gets sucked right out of my soul. And I get into this frantic, angry, frustrated, impatient, unloving mode. Anybody else? And it, it can almost just take a, a, just an instant, just a, almost a moment, and I shift from, from peace to hurry. Hurry is a condition of soul. It's not just something that we do. You can have a hurried soul, and then that's not a happy, a happy soul. And so this whole series, we've been trying to figure out how to move out of that condition. Jesus said this one time in John chapter 14, verse 27, I am leaving you with a gift. What is it? Peace of mind and heart. Jesus says, like, this is what I have for you. Peace. And it's not peace like the world can give it. Listen to what he says here. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Like the peace the world offers is when your circumstances go well and you have enough money to do whatever you want to do or you get to go on vacation or everybody's, your children are obeying or whatever. No, no, no. It's not that sort of peace. That's, that's a good sort of peace. I'm not saying that's not real. But Jesus says, I have something divine for you. I am the prince of peace. I am the God of peace. I am your source of peace. And I will produce restfulness in your soul. I am your shepherd. But when we're in a hurry, that peace gets stolen right out of our soul. You're designed for it. It's God's will for you. It's Jesus' gift to you and I. But let me take it a step further. Let me, let me try to create a little bit more urgency in you. 
It's not just something that, that God designed for you. It's not just something that he desires for you. It's not just a gift that he offers to you that you, know, you should take it or maybe you don't take it. it it's, it's, peace is much more than that. In fact, in your notes, I wrote it like this. Peace is actually the essential element to a healthy soul. In other words, if you want to live a healthy life, if you want to live a vibrant life, a life that is, that is strong and, and put together well and successful in, in relationships and with your finances and with your occupation and with your children and your extended family, and, and if you want to be a healthy individual, you have to have a healthy, peaceful soul. I've got a lawnmower. I only have one lawnmower, and I guess most people just have one lawnmower, but... It's about three years old, maybe four, maybe three and a half, not quite sure. And thankfully, I don't have to cut my own grass anymore because I have two teenage sons. Hallelujah. For any, anybody have teenage boys? Yes. But I do do the weed eating and, and some of the other stuff. But this lawnmower, basically, we, we do three things every year. We pour gas in it, we pull the cord, and then we pray. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just a three-step process. And miraculously, for three years, you know, the gas and the pulling and the praying has worked and it has started. But I just know, I just have a hunch that maybe next year, when we put the gas in and we pull the cord, it's going to die. Now, here's why. Because I've never changed the oil. I don't have oil for it. If I had oil for it, I wouldn't know where to put it. And when you neglect the engine of anything, it is eventually going to have what? A breakdown, right? And this is the way we treat our lawnmowers, some of us. And I know I just lost a lot of respect in the crowd from some of the gentlemen and maybe some of the ladies. That's okay. I never said my life was perfect. <laughs> it's funny in the, in the sense of lawnmowers, but, but it's not funny when we, when we think about our own lives, like, your soul is the engine. And when we just go, 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 pour gasoline in, pull the cord, and pray that, you know, you're going to be able to make it another day, and you're going to be able to thrive at work and thrive in your relationships, and you don't pay attention to your soul, mind, will, decisions, emotions, eventually there will be an emotional breakdown, a divorce, a loss of a job, a loss of a reputation, a bad decision that wrecks your life. Eventually there will be a breakdown. Why? Because you didn't check the engine. You're not putting the oil in and getting tune-ups and all those things. Listen to what King Solomon said in Proverbs 14, verse 30. A peaceful heart, a peaceful soul, a peaceful inner being, a, a heart that is restored and put back together well, leads to a healthy body. In the same way, jealousy, and you could replace this with any sin, pride, hatred, lust, greed, Fear, worry, anxiety, whatever. You can replace this with any sin. But jealousy is like cancer in the bones. What is Solomon saying here? So deep, so profound. What he's saying is that the, the inner condition of a human being affects the outer condition, whether, whether for good or for bad. If, if inside I have peace then outside I will have peace. If inside I have jealousy and wickedness and anger and lust and envy and all of this stuff like pride, if inside my soul is corrupt with those things, then my outside will also be corrupt. You with me? The inside and the outside work together. They overlap. The soul is at the center of the body and it affects the body. 
John Kitchen said it this way, commentator on the book of Proverbs, the physical bears the marks of the spiritual. When you look at the physical in someone's life, be it their physical health or their relationships or the quality of their life, it bears the marks of the spiritual. The insides always determine how we're doing on the outsides. So I would argue today that, yes, peace is something that Jesus says. It's a gift. Hey, come on. It's something that I want for you. It's restfulness of soul. Come on, I want to be your shepherd. Come on, lay down by green pastures and still waters and let me restore your soul. Yes, it's an option. It's also a necessity. You must have it to function well. Now, if all of that is true, which I think it is, do you agree? Yes or no? Yes? Come on, talk to me. Yes, all of our campuses? The question then is, okay, well then how do I find more peace? If I need it to function and to be a healthy human being so that I don't have a breakdown in my life, so the lawnmower just doesn't shut off one day, how do I get it? And here's the simple answer, right? This is the best I got for you. You and I need to create this thing called margin in our lives. We need to create margin in our lives. What do I mean by margin? Margin is simply this beautiful word that describes space. It's just space. It's, it's the space that you have in a book if you pick up a book to read. You know, there's a reason why the words don't go all the way to the end of the page or all the way to the top. This little space right here is beautiful. Maybe you've never recognized it before, but it's beautiful. It allows you to calm down and read the book. If there was no margin, if the words went all the way here and all the way here, you probably would put it down because you get so anxious. <laughs> margin is space. And the space allows us to have peace. When you're driving on the highway at 65 miles an hour, maybe 65, maybe 70, depending if you're, if you're late or if you're in a hurry, you always appreciate the shoulder. Yes? The shoulder is a beautiful place. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me talk, let me talk to you about the shoulder. In high school, I used to think the shoulder was a lane. <laughs> it's not a lane. I mean, it is a lane, but you're not supposed to take it. Uh, but the shoulder is just this space. It's this beautiful space. And, and can you imagine driving 65 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour down the road with no shoulder? What if the wall was like right there, right? We'd try, probably try to drive in the middle. But what if there wasn't a middle lane, right? So the, the, the space allows you to go, I can breathe. And it saves your life sometimes, doesn't it? Have you ever been saved by the margin, by the, by the shoulder? Jackie and I, we drive a lot to New York. We used to drive a lot to New York. We used to drive to Florida a lot. We don't do that much driving anymore. But I, I can specifically remember several times where there was a, t- one time there was a tire in the road, a full tire with its hubcap still in it, hubcap. And I was able to shift over into the margin and save my car and maybe save my family. One time, uh, there was a guy that hit his brakes really quick. This ever happened to you on the highway? And I, I wasn't going to have enough time to stop. And what did I do? I used the what? Say it with me. The, the margin, the shoulder saved us, right? Then there was this other time where this idiot, did I just say that? This person <laughs> merged over without, you know, and, and he was going to hit me. And so I used the shoulder to save. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, 
It's the space that allows you to have peace. It's the breathing room. If, if I got up right to the edge of this, of this uh, platform here and, and with my toes hanging over and tried to preach the rest of the sermon with, with my toes on the edge, you, you probably wouldn't hear anything I have to say for the rest of the talk. Am I right? I mean, especially you guys right here. Am I stressing you out? Right? Just right on the edge. If I'm just preaching the whole thing, whoa, I've got no room for error. But what if I back up? See, everybody just heard somebody go, it's the space. Margin creates space for peace. Jesus lived his life this way. He would, he would go preach in a town. He would heal people. And then he would create some space to breathe. Listen, Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus, Jesus often often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He would do this. He would come to his disciples. They would say, hey, we just preached in this town and all these people got healed and put their faith in you. And Jesus would say, okay, time out. Come, up, come away with me and let's rest for a while. When I was in London, one of the preachers there said that Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies about him, which were many, many, many prophecies. Some say there was like 68. Others say there's up to like 300. I don't know the exact number. But Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about him in three years, and he never ran one time. The preacher who said it, he said, if it were me, I would have at least got on a horse and got 12 other horses for my 12 disciples, right? And gallop from town to town and be like, how many more towns could they have gotten to if they had horses, right? I mean, they could have just banged that out. But they never rode a horse. In fact, the only time Jesus got on an animal was a donkey, and I don't think it was running. <laughs> wow. He never ran. He never rode a horse. He was incredibly productive, and he was never in a hurry. He would create space, these, these windows, so that they can rest and have peace. Well, how exactly does space or margin create peace? Because I, I know that's a good idea, but how does it actually work? That's how my brain works. So let's, let's talk about that with the rest of our time. There's four reasons why. There's four reasons why margin helps to create peace in our lives, the peace that we were designed for and the peace that we need to live a healthy life. Number one, it gives you space to think and reflect. So many of us are just going, going, going constantly with our to-do lists and it's the next day and life becomes just this blur where it's pedal to the metal, same thing, just do it over and over and over. I mean, what are the, what are the options, right? And we very rarely take a moment or create some space to think about our lives. Like, is this the, is this the job I want to be in? Is, 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 are this, is this relationship pleasing to God? Like, am I raising my children correctly? Like, like what... Am I spending money correctly? Like, what, what? We very rarely take time to think and reflect about our lives. There's a John Mayer song. I don't know the title of it, but in, the, in one of the songs he wrote, he says, there's a lyric that says, am I living it right? I wish I could sing it for you, but I can't sing. But do you know the song I'm talking about or referring to? Am I living it right? It's such a good question. But it's really only a question you can ask if you give yourself some space to think about your life. Am I living it right? The best, the best choices that Jackie and I have ever made as a, as a married couple have been when we left the kids home. Amen? Come on. Come on. A little stronger. Amen? All of our campuses. You got to figure out a way to do that. If, even if you struggle financially, you got to figure that out. 
leave the kids home, go to, go to get away and have space and say, how's it going? How's our parenting? How's our marriage? How, like, what would we change? Are we headed the right direction? Is the ladder leaning against the right wall of success? Like, all of these are the questions to ask. And you need to create space to think and reflect. And what happens is you make great decisions in that space that lead to more peace in your life. Firefighters, when they're fighting a forest fire, they don't, only, they don't just hit the fire directly with helicopters. They do that. But then what they'll also do is they'll go out in front of the fire and they'll build something called a fire break. Here's a picture of it. They'll just build this long line. They'll wipe the trees out. They'll get all the brush out. It's called a fire break. And the concept is that the fire, will, the fire will burn all the way up to the line. And then it will lose all of its fuel because of the space, because of the margin, right? It'll burn itself out and they will effectively stop the fire. Well, we can do that in our lives when we create space. We can literally build a fire break. So that all of the fires that are raging at work or raging inside or raging in our relationships or all the issues that are going on can all die down. Where in the margin as we think and reflect on our lives and therefore we can have more peace. Number two, energy is restored. Number one, we have space to think and reflect in the margin. Number two, we have energy restored. If I got down right now and did some push-ups, how many do you think that I can do? Just throw a number out. Seven push-ups, anybody else? <laughs> Not very. Um, let's try it. Let's see how many I can do. Would you, would you like to see me try it? I'm going to try it. Let's do it. So somebody, somebody count off. We don't all have to count. You just like one person. Do you think I could get to 20? How about 30? Where am I at? Okay, how about... If I get to 30, could I get to 40? Where am I at? Where am I at? Okay, if I get to 40, could I get to 50? Now, if I get to 50, could I get to 60? Okay, I'm going to hurt myself if I don't stop. But here's the, here's the point. I'm not trying to show off because I know there's a bunch of you out there like, I could do more than that. And you can. And you can. Here's my point. Even if I got to 60 or 70, or maybe I got to, I don't know, 80. I don't know how many I can do, actually. At some point, I would have to stop. Do you agree? But what if I sat down and took a break? Like right now. <laughs> and just 30 seconds, could I get down and do another 40, you think? Even though a minute ago, I couldn't do one more. I was totally exhausted, right? What if I just took a break? What if I created some space? Could I do it? Could I do another 40 and then take a break and do another 40, yes or no? Yeah, because that's how the body works. But some of us, we, we, we don't think that it works that way with, with our emotions or with our physical health or with our spiritual life. We just think, pedal to the metal, I'm gonna keep going, hurry, hurry, hurry through life and not realizing that we don't have limitless energy. Like it runs out. Every single one of us have limited time, limited resources, limited energy. But when we take breaks, when we rest, when we create some margin, our energy is restored. There's this great study done. You got to check it out. It was published back in 2009. Eight judges were studied over 1,000 cases that they, that they uh, uh, oversaw. And it was for inmates trying to get parole. I'm a little out of breath, so. 
And here's what they found. Here's what this study found. If you were among the first three prisoners to have your case heard by these eight judges, you had a two to six times greater chance of being released than if you were the last three prisoners of the afternoon or the morning. As time went on, the judges got fatigued, they got tired, they lost empathy, they lost patience, and they started to say guilty, guilty, guilty. You almost had a 0% chance of being released if your case was in the last three cases heard by the judge. Unbelievable. But in the first three, it was like empathy, oh, no problem, you could be released. The the article that was peer-reviewed and published, they said, we didn't prove this scientifically, but what we came to, the, the, the conclusion that we came to was that these judges had been, they had just came off breakfast and, and they had just came off lunch and they were well rested. And because of that, they had more glucose in their brains and they had more empathy and more compassion. When you and I take breaks, energy is restored. And when we don't, when we just go, 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 go all the time, we're fatigued, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're impatient, we're rude, we're unkind to people. So number one, we have space to think and reflect in the margin. Number two, energy is restored in the margin. Let's talk about number three. You have space to deal with the unexpected. Murphy's Law says if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. That's the bottom line. The water heater's gonna break. The dishwasher's gonna overflow, right? You're gonna need new tires. Like, the, your, your kid's gonna get in trouble, probably. <laughs> like, it's going to happen, And if you have just used up all your financial space and all your schedule, like me that night at the basketball game, I had 30 minutes to get there. It was a 30-minute drive. I had 30 minutes to get there. I had no margin for error. I missed my turn. I missed, I was late and I was frustrated and I was angry and I took it out of my wife. Had my peace stolen right out. When you have margin in your life, you have space to deal with the unexpected. This is the magic of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Right? He tells you in the baby steps, first step, save a thousand bucks. I think it's the third step, save three to six months. Or the fourth step is save three to six months expenses. For what? For emergencies. And when you have an emergency and something goes out and the water heater breaks and there's water in the basement or whatever the situation is, you've got a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks to say, no problem. Let's replace the carpet, let's replace the water heater, and let's move on with our life. Why? Because you had financial margin. But when there's no margin, then you've got to pull out a credit card, you've got to ask your parents for a loan, and there's stress, and, and peace is gone. You can deal with the unexpected. Let's talk about this fourth one. You can hear God's voice. How does the margin create peace? You have space to hear God speak to you. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the God of Peace. He is the source of peace. Jesus said this one time in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep, they hear my what? My voice. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are supposed to hear his voice every single day. And because you hear him speaking to you, you know him. Listen, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. What does that mean to know somebody? I know my wife. Guess what? That means I know what's important to her. I know what she values. I know what she loves. I know what she hates. I know what makes her happy. I know what makes her sad. I know my wife because I've spent time with her. I've listened to her and she knows me. My sheep hear my voice and they know me. They know what's important to me. They know what the the priorities are. They know what I'm doing in the world and what I'd like to do in the world. They know what I'd like to do in their heart, in the hearts of other people. They hear my voice and they know me and therefore they do what? They follow me. 
They don't follow their own ways, their own wishes, and their own will. They follow what I'm wanting to do in their life and in the lives of other people. Well, guess what? If you don't have space designed in your day to hear the voice of Jesus, you will miss out on everything that he has planned for you, including peace. One of the best decisions I've ever made in my life, leadership-wise, as, a, as a, a father, as a husband, as a pastor, is to get my planner out, which is over there, and first thing in the morning is space. I call it TWG, time with God. Did it again this morning. I do it every day. 30 minutes, 45 minutes. God, what are you saying to me? What, what's wrong in here? Mind, emotions, decisions. What do I need to fix? What do I need to say? What do I need to not say? Where do I need to go? Where do I need to not go? Who do I need to be with? Who do I need to spend, spend time with? Who needs prayed for? I give you space. One of the best decisions I've ever made. And guess what? His peace floods my soul on a regular basis. That's the offer. Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places to do what? To spend time with his father. To pray, right? That's where the margin, that's where the peace comes in. It's in the margin. Why? Because that's where we hear God's voice. I love what Bob Goff said. Recently he said this, and if you don't follow Bob on Twitter, he's great. He's got these little pithy sayings. He said, be still, because God is not going to shout over all the noise in our lives. Don't you love it? You got to find quiet. Alan Fadling in his book, The Unhurried Life, which kind of been a companion along with this series, he said this, by ceasing for a time from my normal patterns of being in conversation and community with others, I'm able to hear his voice and sense his presence. These open spaces, these places of margin, eventually help to calm my inner anxiety and slow down my drivenness. And I hope you're hearing the message today. The path to peace, which is God's design for you, and it's something that you absolutely need. It's the essential element to a healthy life. A peaceful heart, lead, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. If you want that, you're going to have to create some space. Because it's in the space where we have time to think and reflect on our lives. It's in the space that we restore our energy. It's in the space where we have, we have time to deal with the unexpected. And it's in the margin, it's in the space that we can hear Jesus speak to us. Is this good stuff or what? So your homework, here's your homework. It's real simple. It's not too much, okay? I want you to go home and study and do a Bible study. You can if you want. You can get this book if you want. Go further with this. But here's your homework. I just want you to answer the question. Where do you need to create margin? Like don't leave here and say, oh, that was interesting. Oh, that was funny. Or don't leave here and do that. Like leave here and say, okay, I need more. I need more space in my relationship with God. I need to hear his voice. I need space in my schedule so I can deal with the unexpected. I schedule everything too tight to it, you know, back to back to back. I need space in my relationship. By the way, what does that look like, space in your relationship? Let me just, I'll share with you how it looks like for me and Jackie. We build in space to talk every day. Usually in the evening, but we're texting and calling through the day. So we talk every day. And then, and then once a week, we try to spend a little bit extra time together on Fridays but we're creating space for each other where what's happening in that space there's empathy 
There's listening, there's conversation, there's encouragement, there's physical touch that's not sexual, then there's also that other. And so you got all this stuff going on in the space, then what happens? Someone's a jerk, right? In the car, trying to get to the game, it's your fault, what's wrong with you, where am I, come get me, right? Okay, so that happens in our marriage, we're not perfect. But because of all of the goodness that has taken place and built up in the space, guess what happens? That's just a blip on the radar. Hey, I'm sorry, I was an idiot, idiot. Would you forgive me? Yeah, so, okay, I understand. You're trying to get there on time. And there's a lot of forgiveness and there's a lot of, you know, rolling off each other's back or however you say that. Why? Because of the, the space that we give each other in a relationship. Where do you need to create margin in your life. That's your homework. I hope you'll take time to answer it. Now, let me create some space right now for just a few people, maybe watching online, one of our campuses. You need peace with God. You do not have peace with God. At least you might think you do, but, but you don't. And I'm talking specifically to those of you who have not trusted in Christ yet. You've not put your faith in Christ yet. The only way to have peace with God, to be put in a right relationship with God is by placing faith in Christ. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter five. Therefore, since we have been made right with God or been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. How? How does a human being find peace with God? Paul tells us, because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord has done for us. And what has he done for us? He died on a cross for our sins. He, he was buried and three days later, he rose again. It's called the resurrection. And why did he do that? He did that so that your, all of your sin, all of your shame can be forgiven so that you can become a child of God, so that you can have peace with God. Some of you haven't done that yet. I don't know why you're waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe today's the day where you put your faith in what Jesus did for you so that you can have peace with God. It's very simple. You're not joining a religion. You're not joining a church. You're, you're being put into a right relationship with God. So I'm gonna say a simple prayer. And if that's you right now, you take these words, make them your own and put your faith in Christ. Say this to him, he's listening right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you've done. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay the penalty for my sin. So right now, with the little faith that I have. I trust in you. I believe in you. Wash me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me your child. Fill my heart with your spirit. And from this day forward, lead me and guide me into truth to the right path for my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory, guys? Amen.
If you prayed that prayer, whatever campus you're at, whether you're watching online at one of our microsites, we wanna put a new believer's Bible in your hands. So please tell somebody at the microsite that you did that. There should be tables there with Bibles. If you did it online and you're watching, there's a little place there you can check that says, uh, I trusted Christ. Put your address in there. We'll send one in the mail to you. If you're at any of our campuses, there's tables in the back to the left and to the right. Please go back and grab one of these. Grab it, take it, and read it. It will begin to change your life. One more time, can we give God glory? Amen.